but he can't possibly be worse than some of what we've been seeing lately in terms of just overall play. Like, what's what's the worst thing he's going to do? T turn a puck over and he'll end up in the back of the net? That's already happening. Hello and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix. Your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. David Tuckman uh, with my partner in crime. It is Phil Farber. You can follow us on X at Tuck on Sports at Phil's Facts. Of course, uh, we'll do our best to answer your questions as we go forward. Uh, coming off of a, uh, a disappointing loss, uh, another shootout loss to the Seattle Kraken, uh, but before we get to that, I want to wish you and all of our listeners a sweet, happy Valentine's Day. Because when I think of Phil's facts, when I think of you, Phil, I think that you're the kind of guy who really celebrates Valentine's Day in style. It's too close to my anniversary, so I can't go all out. Because otherwise I'm doing it, you know, in quick succession. But, uh, you know, box of chocolates, flowers, that kind of thing. Nothing, nothing too major. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly... Uh, I'm, I'm I'm blessed the fact that my wife hates Valentine's Day. In fact, our very first Valentine's Day, I think she fell in love with me because I, I got a rose for her. I spray painted it black. And I ripped a piece of paper and I wrote Happy V-Day and I left it on our front porch. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fairly certain that was the moment she fell in love with me. Anyway, enough go. about Valentine's Day and our love lives. Uh, let's get on to, um, well, uh, our other loves, uh, the New York Islanders. Do we love them, though? I'm not sure that we love them. Uh, we do. Otherwise, it wouldn't hurt so much. It's true. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, clearly, everybody listening to this loves them. Yeah. Yes. It wouldn't hurt. We wouldn't care. Okay? True. And true. Uh, lucky for them, we still do care, which is, which is good. Coming out of the All-Star break, a couple of big wins. And as has been the case all season, once it seems like this team has got something going, some momentum... Okay, this is our kickstart moment. This is it. Uh, we fall flat to, you know, a, a couple of teams that, I mean, you come out of the All-Star break versus Toronto, Tampa Bay. And, Toronto on the road, by the way. Right. I mean, Toronto, Tampa Bay, who was playing well before that. Yeah. Um, Calgary and Seattle. And Seattle coming off, of a, you know, the second half of a back-to-back. -back. You'd probably look at that and be like, hey, if we can get five or six points, I'm pretty happy. We got five points, but in a really disappointing manner again. Well, yeah, I think feel? everyone would have been okay if they – it was kind of like a coin flip game that they played with Toronto. Sorokin – one thing I'll point out, in all three of his starts, Sorokin's been really, really good since the All-Star break. It seems that that was a really good reset for him. But if we lost like either to three to two in regulation or in overtime to Toronto, I think everyone more or less would have been okay with it given it was a good performance – Tampa on a back-to-back, you -back, wanted to beat them, of course. They're, you know, kind of trying to chase Tampa down if possible, or at least one or two of those Atlantic teams for a wild-card spot. But once you already win those, right, you take care of the two big opponents in that stretch. Calgary was playing well, right? They came in, I think, or about three or four-game winning streak. Yeah, but, I mean, they just traded convincingly. Lindholm. But, Come on. No, it's true. Listen, we we gave it away. We gave that game you can't, away. You just I, it can't, was less I mean, about what Calgary did and more about what we didn't do right? and what we did to hurt ourselves. And I would say the same thing is true, really, for the Seattle game last night. It was even in those 
sequences where they were in our zone for two, three minutes at a time, they really weren't able to generate much, right? Anything no. that they were generating was typically off of the mistakes that they that we were making because they're they're not a particularly good team. Right? They have, they have, you, I mean, you look at that team, they have no scoring whatsoever. None. They have, they have a no, lot of decent players. That's the way I, I, I think. They were roster it, filled with like decent and middling players. Yeah. But Coring said it last night, down. Butcher or Brendan, I don't know which one of them said it, but they said this team kind of feels like they have four second and third lines. I think it was Hickey that said that. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. I mean, you could argue that they have like one second line and three third lines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the guys who were really good for them last year, like Eberly, Beniers, these guys have taken major... I mean, Eberly got older, so it's not surprising, but Beniers has the injury stuff, but he's taken a big step back this season. Wenberg, uh, Tolvin, and some of these guys just not scoring the way they were last year. I think Tolvin's numbers might be up. Yorkstrand hasn't looked great. The defense hasn't been particularly good. What are you talking good. about? He's an all-star. Who? Bjorkstrand. Oh, was he their all-star this year? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, the disappointing thing was while they were in our zone for two, three minutes at a time in certain instances, and we just couldn't, we got hemmed in. And yes, our structure was okay. Sorokin was playing great. They didn't generate much. But when we're in our zone, we can't score. We, exactly. And we didn't generate yeah, We spent way too much time in our own zone. We didn't generate enough scoring chances. Wa pointed this out afterward, right? Our best scoring chances were on the power play, which is usually where they are, but... I can't think of more than maybe one or two really good looks we got at five on five. One was the backdoor pass from Mayfield to Nelson that Nelson completely muffed, which I guess we'll talk about Brock Nelson, but he's been a bit of a problem lately. And then the look that Horvat got at the end of the game where he missed the net before the game went to overtime. Those were two of the better looks that I saw at five on five. But other than the power play, we really didn't have much. No, we we did not generate anything. I mean, I'm watching the kid. I'm watching the game last night with my kid, and there was, you know, end of the third period. I'm just hoping we get to overtime, and then we get to overtime, and I'm like, well, we need to finish it in overtime because we can't win a shootout. Yeah, we and you know we we did have some good looks in overtime. Horvat had a good look on the two on one. We had a good look pretty early on. Penalty call for overtime. I, I didn't love the penalty call, but once they called that penalty, you know, all right, now we got to push it to a shootout because you're not scoring shorthanded. Uh, and we got kind of lucky that Seattle stupidly decided to take a penalty to negate that. And then in the shootout, our guys just didn't show up. You know, three bad yeah. attempts. Yeah, listen, I mean, I love Barzal. I, uh, as I pointed out many times, I am uh, one of his biggest fans. I think he's just phenomenal. He has been uh, on another planet this year. Uh, but shootouts are not his thing. And at some point, the coaching staff will realize that, um, listen, it's still the honeymoon phase for Patty. And, and Is it, though, after he backskated them today? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's still the, I, I'm fine with him being. It's the honeymoon phase for him. I like what he's doing. Um, for the fans. I think for the fans, it's the honeymoon phase. I think. Oh, I think for the, the players? Uh, we can get I think we, the players might hate him at this point. We can get <laughs> into I, that. I don't mind. Yeah, don't we can get into that. that in a second. Um, I, uh, yeah, but Barzal is just. Penalty shots are just not his thing. I mean, honestly, the three that should have gone last night were probably Wallstrom, Horvat, and Holmstrom. Holmstrom, yeah. Those are probably your three best options at this point in terms of penalty shots. Yeah, um, and then even after that, Palmieri ahead of Barzell. You could probably make a case for Nelson over Barzell. Yeah, he's terrible he, penalty shots, too. He just always does the same thing. He always goes five-hole and never works in a penalty shot. 
Well, I mean, Bar nothing Barzell does works either. But no, good I would point. say Barzell, Barzell at best should be fifth. I mean, maybe we just bring Ish up just for fish shootouts. Maybe. Just for that. Or maybe we bring Ish up just because so much has gone stale. Yeah. Hey, let, let's, talk, let's talk about a few things here. So Sorokin, you brought him up. And I was really encouraged, actually. Something that I saw last night, and I think Butch brought it up, how he is battling to get to the top of the to the top of the crease. Top of the crease, yeah. He is not staying that. low. No, even if there is traffic in front of him, he is like, nope, this is my fucking space. And I have yep. to imagine that is Patty, who has never been shy about owning his space on the ice when he was playing goaltender, coming in and saying something or just noticing something. Going, no, no, you can't stay back if they're in front of you. And I was really, really encouraged by that. Um, and if this team is going to go on some sort of a run, and by the way, I still believe they can. It's clear they can. You know, they have the talent in place to go on a run. Will they do it? I don't know. We can get to that in a second. But if they're going to go on a run, it's going to be the goaltending that's going to be, I mean, we're going to need 925, 935 goaltending to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it, it starts there, and then everything else needs to be built on top of that, right? If the goaltending is not there, then then there's nothing to discuss. Absolutely. And And by the way, the same thing was true, really, for even good scoring teams like Florida last year, right? They don't go on that run and get into the playoffs last year unless Alex Lyon is damn near perfect. Yeah, and, they don't and even make the playoffs. They don't make the, no, for sure not. I mean, I think he won eight out of his last nine starts, right? The goaltending, in order to rattle off the amount of wins that you need to get to that point where you're passing all these teams, it's got, it's got to start with goaltending. And by the way, speaking of passing teams, I'm looking at the standings today, and I watched uh, the last couple of nights of the New Jersey Devils. Jack Hughes is back. And that team, while they'll still have their defensive issues and they still have goaltending issues, when Jack is in that lineup, that is a different team. There is no doubt about it. Sure. And they are now one point ahead of the New York Islanders with a game in hand. I've always said I'm not worried about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I think that is, uh, you know, the equivalent of dead man walking. The Washington Capitals, obviously, they've been a zombie for, for the last two seasons. So certainly not worried about them. Um, I do think the Detroit Red Wings could fade. I do think the Flyers could fade. So I still think there's a path there. But the Devils are going to make it harder for us. There's no doubt about it, especially if Jack stays healthy. Um, yeah, just another team in the mix. I mean, listen, even even the Flyers, who I, I think can fade, they still have a decent cushion, right? Seven points is seven points, even with the Islanders having a game in hand. So, well, And they're well coached. We know that. I mean, They're very well coached. Right. I, I mean, Detroit, I think they'll fade. They're un their underlying numbers are terrible. They shouldn't be nowhere near where they are right now, but, you know, good shooting luck and, and good goaltending from Alex Lyon, the, the aforementioned Alex Lyon, and they are where they are, but I think they could easily fade. Philly, they're playing well. I just, it's one of those things, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I will believe well they've, and they've the been pretty clear, and who knows if this changes, maybe they, they've been pretty clear about their path of we are not going to be buyers, no matter where we are. If anything, we're sellers. Um, right. The question just becomes how how firm of a position are they going to be in ten games from now, and and how much you need to chip away at in order to pass. Yeah, and that. I also, I mean, listen, obviously it's a bigger issue the whole 2018 World Junior Canada team, but I I still think that you know you're talking about a Devils team that lost a pivotal forward and maybe a not so pivotal defenseman, and you're talking about a Philadelphia team that lost a very pivotal goalie. Yeah. Um, you know, and these are these are spots that certainly are going to hurt. Uh, like I said, there is a path to the New York Islanders, but one of my concerns, and I have a few, but one of my biggest concerns now is just 
and I talk about this all the time with my own team. This is 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds. Compete. Compete level. And you, you talk about players talking about this, and I was just listening to uh, uh, 32 Thoughts, uh, Elliot Friedman podcast, and he had, uh, he had Rick talk it on with Rick Bonus, the two Ricks. And they talked about the differences in their teams this year. And each coach was talking about the other coach's team. And they said, uh, we take great pride in being very hard to play against. Our compete level is much higher than it was. And it's something that concerns me about this New York Islander team. Because there are certainly players on this team that have a very high compete level. And I'm not talking about physicality, everybody. There's a difference. But one thing that was very apparent about the Trots teams, the first couple of years at least, were that this, this team had a very high compete level. Nobody wanted to play against the New York Islanders. They were difficult to play against. And there are a few players on this New York Islanders team that I question, and again, it's not physicality, but I question their compete level. Uh, it's not Barzal. I think his compete level is very high. Bo Horvat. Uh, you can, listen, you can question Pajot's talent at this point. You can certainly question his contract, but his compete level, no way, right? Even Cal Clutterbuck. Right. Listen, should he be playing? Probably not. But his compete level, I won't question. I think Clutter has been fine enough to play. I think I think Martin's a good example. Martin's a guy who shouldn't be playing, but when he's out there, he is competing. He battles. Just, he gives. He knows he is giving it all. What he's able to do. Listen, um, I'm going to bring up a player, and I'm going to throw you under the bus because you and throw I me under the bus. Okay. Well, uh, we traded. Uh, Lou traded for Pierre Engvall at the end of last year. Well, the trade deadline, and he was an absolute revelation for us. Uh, we put him on a line with Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri, and and he was amazing. And everybody's like, wow, we need to re-sign him. What's he going to cost? $4 million? And he probably would have, you know. But Lou gave him a couple extra years to lower the contract into $3 million. No problem with it. And I was on board, by the way. I was absolutely 100% on board. This guy earned his contract. He looked great. I figured at worst, he, he's a 15, you know, 18-goal scorer. He's going to get 35, 40 points for us. He can skate. He can carry the puck. He does so much. His reach, while he's not a physical player, his reach makes and his length makes him a great four-checker. But I'm watching him play, and I watched him last night, and I just question his battle, his compete. Uh, I, I saw two shifts on the first line with Barzal and Horvat, and I'm thinking, wow, what an opportunity for Pierre Engvall to play on this line. And he just kept losing the one-on-one battles, just kept losing those battles. Um, and I'm discouraged for a guy who has as much talent as him. And I'm just wondering now, did he get paid and he just said, ah, whatever, I got paid, I'm done now? It could be, but he started the season so well, and I feel like it was at a certain point in December where he and a couple of his line mates, I mean, Palmieri went cold for a while, Brock Nelson has been cold for a while. Um, so I don't know if it's a situation where he got paid and it's just like, yeah, fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm not trying hard because I've got this contract for the next six years after this. But you're 100% right. His his compete level, his battle level has been extremely low. He looks like a player who doesn't have a lot of confidence right now, uh, which you would hope that after he scored that big goal at home in Toronto, you know, back in his former home in Toronto to win the game, got a big assist on a pull-off goal against Tampa, looked like he was getting his legs under the, under him. These past two games have been right back to what he was in the previous stretch of games, right? And And he gave a game away too, right? Montreal. We had battled yeah. all the way back there, turned the puck over, no one able to cover up that mistake. 
I worry yeah, less about that. So, Phil, I worry less about the giveaways. Like, I, listen, I, yes, the giveaways are terrible. Give, that, that, the giveaway versus Montreal was awful. He wasn't very good. But that happens. You know, you carry the puck a lot. If you're Matt Barzal, you're going to give the puck away. You're holding the puck. It's, it's like a point guard in, in basketball. They're going to lead the league in turnovers also. I, I, while it's not good, I worry less about that, and I worry more about the compete level. And as you pointed out, I mean, coming off uh, the game-winning goal in Toronto, and then a good game versus Tampa Bay, I was actually, and I know all Islander fans, we were excited. Yep. But I feel like Pierre Engvall, if anything, has been almost the poster boy of what the New York Islanders have been this year. This inconsistent whatever. Very fair to say. Yeah, um, I mean. What do we do with I mean, Coming off a season where he had 17 goals last year, um, mostly playing third-line minutes, I, I fully expected him to build. Listen, I didn't think he would replicate exactly what he, Palmieri, and Nelson had going from the end of last year and through the playoffs because that would have been a really a really high clip. But I thought he would play at a level where serviceable second-line winger opening up lanes and opening up space for Nelson and Palmieri to score a lot of goals. And they started off well, but it completely fizzled out. And since then, you're right. He's he's looked like a very low-compete, almost lazy at times kind of player who makes a lot of very boneheaded decisions at, at terrible times. I will point out, now his skating style, uh, similar to Nick Letty in a way where he has such a, he has a very real, such a big stride that he, it will appear that he is lazy and not moving. There are there are ice. There are skaters out there. There are players out there that move their feet really, 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 really fast. They're actually not very good skaters. They're actually quite inefficient. But to a fan, to a layman that doesn't know, and I apologize to those of you who are like, I don't. I, those players look like they're working harder because they just move their feet faster. But they're actually way more inefficient and not very good skaters. So Pierre Engvall, I do believe, will appear to be lazier than he is. I, I, I don't know what the thing is. I'm just, I'm much wondering because it just seems like he just takes some shifts off. I mean, Barzal is, I don't know, what, what is Barzal? 5'10", 175, 180 pounds? Something like that. And he goes in the corner and, he, and more often than not, he comes away with the puck, right? Right. Pierre Engvall yeah. is 6'5", no, 220 pounds. every and, corner battle lately. Like, I, I, and, that, but, and by the way, that wasn't the case last year. I mean, his... His forechecking last year, again, not a physical forechecker, but no. one of the one of his strengths was his ability to puck retrieve in the offensive zone. And by the way, the physicality part of the game, you could argue in some ways is overrated. I mean, Romanoff has actually even pointed out this year, he goes, I, I feel like I'm playing better defense because I'm not going for those big hits sure. as much. Because a yep. big hit sometimes take you out, takes you out of position. Um, yeah, and I could sure argue that Cal Clutterbuck does that sometimes in the PK, where he goes yep. for the big hit, and he takes himself out of the play, and then obviously they score a goal. In Engvall's case, he was never going to be this physical force, and we didn't need him to be. But yeah, his reach and his length made him a very effective forechecker. But it's just the compete level, and I'm just wondering. I'm wondering if Patty's wondering the same thing. You know, where does this guy fit? Uh, is Patty having conversations with Lou right now, just going, you know what? You know, you hired me to, you know, you hired me to cook a meal. I'll go back to the spam reference. You hired me to cook a meal, and I've got some good pieces here, but I've got some. I've got some dead weight. I've got some fat on this that I've got to cut away. Well, I it's think going to be a work in progress. To, you, first of all, you can't trade him. No one's trading for a guy with six years left on their contract. It, well, doesn't, not, matter what, it doesn't matter what the number is. And you're not waiving him. So you have to put him somewhere. I would put him back to the third line, which is, I don't think that's a role they've tried him 
tried them in. I think the third line is a mix of pieces that simply do not work together right now, right? Holmstrom, Wallstrom, Pajot has been an absolutely terrible line. Holmstrom, Pajot, Gautier had its moments, but it honestly wasn't much better. I wonder if maybe you try Holmstrom, Pajot, Engvall and, and give that a spin and, and see what that looks like. When you watch a game last night, if you're the coach, if you're Lou, and you see a game coming off of Calgary, you you come in completely rested, right? Uh, yeah. The night before, I believe Philly, the Rangers, and the Devils all won. So you know yeah. how it, you know how important it is to you know to put up a good and, and it's home. I mean, I just think to me, it's also a matter of like, listen, your fans. Without fans, they they don't have a job, right? And, and the fans are paying a lot of money. This is a home game. You're well rested. They're not. They're coming off getting embarrassed. You're playing a goalie that hasn't played in two months, right? Um, is there a thought where you mentioned that Patty made him uh, bag skate this morning? Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm reading some of the quotes from Stefan. He didn't want to have to do it, but he felt they needed it to get back to fundamentals and work on fundamentals and compete. And thought it will only make them better going forward. Said it was the right time to do it. Um, I mean, listen, definitely listen, the right time to do it. I mean, listen, if Herb Brooks did it for the uh, team, the Miracle Team. So, yeah, listen, if Again. you can bag skate them, then better better to do it when you've got four days off as opposed to doing it the day before a game. And listen, I mean, they're going to play the, the game versus the Rangers. They're probably going to look really good, and it wouldn't even shock me if they won that game and and won it well. Um, I mean, that's going to be a really intense game. They get up to play the Rangers usually. The Rangers in the league. They get up to play Toronto. They get up to play the Rangers. I mean, right. there's no. The problem is you've got to you've got to fucking show up the, the, against still, the Kraken and the Flames. <laughs> you, it's still two points. The yeah, points 100%. matter. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't just. It's almost like they took the Kraken for granted. Which I mean, how can you take? I mean, if you're the New York Islanders, how can you take any team for granted when you've lost to Montreal twice this year? And San Jose. Right. I mean. That's the that's the, the thing that's just driving me nuts. But anyway, what I was going to ask you was, okay, so they bag skit this morning. If you're Patty and you're looking at this going, hey, you know what? If you guys aren't going to play, if you're not going to compete, if you're not going to show up, I'll bring up players that will. I mean, listen, we were talking about they Kyle McClain. players. We talked about Kyle McClain. You tweeted it out a while ago. I tweeted it again. I didn't even know you did it. I said, listen, I mean, if a guy's not going to play, it's not a matter of holding him accountable. Well, I mean, it is, but it's... Listen, I'm going to bring up players that are going to battle. Yeah. An off night happens, right? You know, you, you, you get, I feel like, I don't know, in an 82-game season, you get three or four mail-ins a year? Probably a little bit more than that. Okay. We've Five had our shit. We've had more than that already. We've had well, we've had well over that. Yeah, <laughs> well you over. can't do it at home back-to-back, that's for sure. That's just embarrassing. Anyway. The game um, after Christmas is one thing, right? Getting embarrassed the game after Christmas Okay, let's see how you do the next night. Okay, you beat Washington 5-1. to one. Fine. You know what? Everyone had a little too much Christmas dinner. You don't want to do that against a team like the Penguins, who you're competing for playoff positioning with, but all right. To do it against Calgary, and then to do it against Seattle, even, even with getting the point, which is a point they did not deserve at all. Sorokin, I mean, that's a Sorokin point right there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, to the Sorokin lovers out there, you got you got to be happy with that one. Looking at this team... Where are we at in terms of you got the trade deadline coming up? If you're Lou, I, I don't know if you're you're thinking buy. I don't know if you're thinking sell. We're kind of in a limbo spot. The interesting thing, though, I will bring up is that you and I talked about this early in the season, where our defense looked to be a problem, 
and we had tons of forward depth for the first time in a long time. And now I look at the team and I think, wow, our defense is actually pretty good. I don't know if we need to acquire that, but our offense is suddenly in shambles. Um, I could argue that the second line needs help, the third line needs help, and the fourth line needs help. Now, maybe the fourth line help is in is in Bridgeport. The fourth line help is in Bridgeport. I think you could easily bring up McLean, have him replace Martin, and if you want to keep McLean, Sezekis, Clutterbuck, that's a really good fourth line. I, and this is what you were referencing earlier, I would want to put Sezekis on Pajot's wing and do a Sezik, try a Sezekis-Pajot-Holmstrom line and see if that could solve some of your third line issues, make them a true shutdown line, gives that line more speed. Casey's been putting some goals in the back of the net this season. I'd want to see if that works and then do some form of McLean Clutterbuck. I was going to say, mentioned what, Car- I mentioned Carson Kuhlman could be an what option. About, I, don't, I don't know Fashing's injury, and obviously they don't really give us a lot of information He's on it. He's skating on his own. Okay, so what about an eventual McLean Clutterbuck Fashing fourth line? Yeah, I mean, that could also work probably. I mean, could that give you eight minutes, nine minutes? Sure. That's all you really need. Yeah, I, I mentioned could. this in the tweet, by the way, for anybody who uh, doesn't follow me. Uh, I'm going to talk on sports, Phil's facts, of course. Uh, I said, I said, hey, let's if we put Sezikas on that third line with Pajot and Holmstrom, you have three dogs. You know, all three love to forecheck. Very tough players to play against. All three have a high compete level. Uh, you also have a lefty and a righty for faceoffs. And as you pointed out, a true shutdown third line. Now, does that, be, does that fix the second line? Not necessarily. Does it, you know, does it fix the first line? Not necessarily. You still have Anders Lee and you still got Engvall there. But it, it should, in theory, at least be a shot at the third line. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, the, the only true way to fix the second line is for Brock Nelson to go back to playing the way he was. You brought up Brock. Ago. Let's get to that. What's going on with Brock? I don't know what's going on with Brock. You don't often see him miss multiple tap-ins. I mean, two last night. There were there was a game. I can't remember who that game was against where it was a wide-open tap-in and he just couldn't put it in. Was it against Pittsburgh, maybe? I can't even recall. But there have just been a lot of looks where you would be like, how is Nelson missing the net here? How is Nelson not banging home that easy rebound? On the power play a lot, too. Um, when's the last time he scored on the power play, as a matter of fact? Um, let's see. Last time I scored a power play goal was uh, January 9th versus Vancouver. He had a power play goal. In fact, that is power play goal. That game was already over, though. Yep, that was over. Yeah, he had two goals versus them versus Vancouver. Two two of the most meaningless goals. (laughs) Yep, he had one versus Colorado a couple days before that, but he has not had a power play goal. That was an important power play goal. Yeah, that okay. Now he's been. I mean, he's not like he's not scoring. I mean, you're talking about he had a goal versus Calgary, had an assist for Tampa, an assist for Toronto. You know, he had a goal versus Vegas, a goal versus Chicago. Um, so he's still he's still putting up something, some points. There's something off with him. There's something off with him in, in both the offensive and defensive end. He's making very questionable decisions. He just doesn't look like he's creating nearly as much as he was earlier on in the season. If Palmieri wasn't playing at an all-time level right now, not only would that line be in trouble, but the entire team would be in trouble, right? And in three out of their last nine games, well, in four out of their last nine games, Palmieri has scored clutch game-tying goals, right? Chicago sends it to overtime. Montreal almost sends it to overtime. Florida sends it to overtime, and then last night sends it to overtime. So 
I mean, that's that's three points right there that that Kyle Palmieri has has helped secure the team. If not for him, that that entire line would be dead right now. Yeah. Um, last night there was an interesting play where Brock Nelson came back, uh, intercepted a pass going to the center, and then kind of curled and just threw it against the boards to nobody in particular. Turnover, uh, and then Engvall got a stick on it to bat it out. Of right play. now, Butch argued that you know there's no there's no communication between Engvall and and. Brock, and that was actually on Engvall because he didn't turn back the other way. I did not understand what he was saying, to be honest. I didn't really either because to me it looked like, okay. Engvall was skating in the other direction. He would have had to stop and then kind of reorient himself and go to, toward the boards. I, I was, so I'm glad you said and that. Also I was like actually Brock thinking the same thing. I'm watching it going, what's he talking about? I don't about know here? how he would do that, right? I mean, he could. <laughs> he could, but honestly, though, it actually makes more sense if Brock is turning in one way, it actually makes sense. Just finish sense. the turn. Don't well, it makes sense pass. for Nelson. It makes sense for Engvall to actually go to the other side because you spread the defense out and you can right. make a nice cross-ice pass to him. That that seems like it would have made more sense to me, but it just seemed like Nelson made a half a play. And earlier yeah. on during the intermission, um, Hickey was bringing up about Romanov, how he's not just making one play, he's making two. He gets the puck, he battles for it, then he makes a sharp turn, then he makes a nice pass. And that's, you know, that's the big difference, obviously. At the NHL level, if you want to be a good player, you've got to string two, three, four good plays in a row. Um, and we have a lot of players that aren't doing that. But, yeah, I mean. I thought Romanov was fantastic last night. He's, listen, um, he's that so is steady. turning out to be, you know, for the Lou haters out there. And, listen, Lou's not perfect. I have said many times, there's a lot of things you can look at Lou and go, what are you doing? Oh, that was dumb, right? Um, the Pierre Engvall signing, it looks pretty bad right now. But. How many of us didn't like that signing? When I mean, I know a lot of us are like, seven years, what? Stop. I've always pointed out, stop focusing on the seventh year, sixth year. If I told you it was a five-year, $3 million per year contract, you'd be like, yay, you know? Um, the fact that he's been terrible is, is you know, obviously disappointing. But that Romanov trade, wow. Looking great. Oh, Looking like a, a bonafide top four defenseman. And that draft overall is just looking like a weak draft. Right, no matter what it is. Okay, Shane Wright. No one, no one even hears about Shane Wright anymore, right? No. no. <laughs> Listen, if you were talking about if Romanov was in that draft as a selection in in theory, he'd go top five. Yeah, I would think so. Right? If you knew what he had, he's top five. I mean, look at you know, you look at like Minnesota right now. How happy they are. They got Brock Faber. Oh, for sure. You know, Romanov is an absolute horse and. Talking about getting back to compete level, there's a guy who's just, you know, he'll play Tons hurt. Compete. Absolutely 100% compete, and I love it. Um, so what are you doing? Let me ask you, what are you doing if you're a Lou? I mean, you look at this team, you're watching this team, you know, the ups and downs. One night we look like, yeah, not only is this team making the playoffs, but if we get hot, we can go on a run, you know, as we handle Toronto and, and Tampa. And then you see the next two games and you just wonder, okay, what are you doing if you're Lou? Are you doing anything? Anything you do has to be internal. And I think when you only have 12 forwards available, right, it's very easy for those forwards to get comfortable. They can't come out unless you're going 11-7, which they're probably not going to do because why would they put Sebastian Ajo in a game for seven minutes, right? They only have 12 healthy forwards on the roster, so there's no immediate threat to anyone of losing playing time right now. Julian Gauthier is not here. Julian Gauthier is hurt, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he hurt himself he, down in Bridgeport. He got, hurt, he got hurt in his first game after scoring a goal in his first game in in, uh, in Bridgeport. So, I mean, it might sound harsh, but wait, wave someone, wave a guy, wave two guys, 
right? Bring up a couple fresh guys. Maybe get a look at Ishikov, right? Maybe he's not an NHL player, but he can't possibly be worse than some of what we've been seeing lately in terms of just overall play. Like, what's what's the worst thing he's going to do? T turn a puck over and he'll end up in the back of the net? That's already happening. <laughs> it's happening less right, than it was right. under Lane. I mean, I listen, I ultimately, I, I believe Ish is probably a, you know, a quadruple A player, if I was going to make the Maybe baseball possibly. reference. And, but I don't, so I, I don't know. Listen, and, and I always kind of point out, I mean, I did, I had, a, I had a kind of conversation on Twitter with somebody about this, and they were like, oh, well, let's give the guy a chance. And I do kind of point out, I go, that whole, like, give the guy a chance mantra that I hear from fans, like, oh, he never got a chance. I, I just don't understand it. You realize that every single player who's ever been drafted has a golden ticket. They've all been given a chance. They go to training well, camp. No, but, they but, get seen by the coaches. If they're lighting it up, I mean, listen, the New York Islander right, coaches, I think, I think the GM the would have nothing more than to do it. Right. I think the point with Ishikov, though, you're talking about a guy who had a great rookie season in the AHL statistically. This year on the worst team in the AHL, he's leading them in points with 34 points in 44 games. He's playing well. Right. It's one thing if he was kind of like middling around and didn't look particularly good. But, hey, we drafted him in the second round in 2018. We've had him in the system for six years. He was a relatively high draft pick at 43 or 44, wherever he was. Let's see him versus, well, here's the resume he's established. Here's the play we've seen from him. He's a two-time AHL All-Star, so two for two in his two seasons there. The resume and goodwill that he should have been able to build up and accumulate to this point, you'd like to see what he can do in the NHL, even if ultimately he completely flops, which it's very possible that he will, but... We're almost on 200 games of Wallstrom. Right, we didn't know. accomplish nearly as much in the AHL as Ruslan has. Why not give it a shot? All right, and I pointed out this, and I put it on Twitter as well. I know you retweeted it. Uh, fans love to like oh, Wallstrom. He's a sniper. That's what we need. He's gonna be. He's literally never been a sniper in his entire career, going back to when he was 13 years old. The guy's just right. He's just not a goal scorer, um, and he's also not embracing a bottom six role. He's just. Unfortunately, I do think that he could theoretically be a bottom six player. I think he has that skill level. I think he's better than, certainly better than Kiefer Bellows, who I think is an AHL player. But unless he embraces that bottom six role, he'll never be, and he'll probably be out of the NHL within a year or two. Um, hey, listen, uh, I, I'll, I'll argue it myself. I'll play devil's advocate. At this point, you know, maybe, maybe you strike lightning in a bottle with Ish, and, and you see, and, and who knows, maybe the guy comes up there. I mean, when Barzal was doing what he does now in the NHL, he was doing that in juniors. And right. a lot of scouts, a lot of critics actually were like, well, that's not going to work. His style is just not going to work in the NHL. It's they're not going to work. It's too physical for him. There's not enough space out there for him. No, right. they're just like, he's not. He's going to lose the puck. The guys in the NHL, right. you notice how it's really, really hard to hold on to the puck for a long time. There's maybe seven guys in the NHL who can do it. It's just really right. difficult. Um, and all the critics, the reason why Barzal slipped, actually, to 16th overall was because they're like, this is not going to work in the NHL. He also had some injury concerns, right? I, I don't know about that. I could I, be wrong about that. But it was just right. a matter of like, I mean, he, he did great up in, in Washington. I think it was in Spokane. It was like, you know, the guy was phenomenal, but it was just like, does his style translate to the NHL? And you wonder if the same questions are being said about Ish. Obviously a different player. but Much hey, smaller. Much smaller. And, you not know, he's not as skater. strong, not as physical, not as strong on his skates, not as fast for sure. Sure um, he's, not as fast. Right? He's, he's not, Ish is not a particularly fast player. He's quick and he's got great hands. But, you know, to your point... He's a better shooter than Barzal, though. His release is much better. Yeah, and, but listen, to your point, um, what do we have to lose at this point? Um, I mean, maybe just 
the threat of not playing will wake somebody else up. I don't know. The problem is that every time somebody on our team gets woken up, Phil, they get woken up for a game or two, and they go back to bed. Well, the other problem with the, our team that I've noticed is any anytime you're able to like fix one thing, another thing breaks. Right? You spring, you you you, you clog one leak. Well, we're very leak, fragile. Right? right. We're very Listen, fragile. You, got, to, you, you compare that to Vegas or Boston. Right. Yeah. Sorokin is playing the best he's played all season. The defense is finally limiting chances. Their shots against per 60 under wall are under 30, which under Lane, it was like 35 or 36 or something like that, maybe even worse. So there are elements of the game that are getting better. The structure overall is better. And now you have a situation where if Horvat and Barzal and Dobson aren't doing everything like they were for the previous 45, 50 games... They just haven't had the depth scoring or even the secondary scoring from a guy like, I mean, Brock Nelson's a primary scorer, but they haven't been having scoring from him and it hasn't been coming from anywhere else. And that's created a situation where, you know, you're finding yourself in, in a lot of one goal games. Every game except for the Calgary game, under Wah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think every single, all, all seven of them were one goal games, right? Let me ask you this. When was the last time we had a bottom six goal? Um, not too long ago. They had oh, we had the Mar- well. Listen, we did have the uh, the one with Martin in front of the net. That was where they was jungled things ago. up versus Calgary. But I mean, well, when was that like? When was that? the third line scored? Holmstrom against Florida, like four games ago. Was it okay? Dobson scored with the third line against Tampa. That was on a feed from Pajot, and Sezika scored in that game too. Everyone scored against Tampa, though. Against Toronto, they got a fourth line goal from Kyle McLean. I guess I mean kind of a fluky. Then they sent McLean down, right? He scores a highlight real goal in front of his dad. <laughs> well, I mean, then he yeah. goes right back down. Listen, Wallstrom has two goals, right? You've got a third line winger with two goals in twenty seven games. That's not going to cut it at any level of hockey. Well, not unless not listen, not unless he's contributing in many other ways. I mean, and he's just not. He doesn't play special teams. He's off the power play now because Pollock's back. So Pollock has that has that trigger. By the way, power play too. And Pollock looked, is suddenly he, hitting he the net. Great, he is. He's looked, hitting the net. He is hitting the net, and it's amazing. I mean, listen. Uh, I think it was on that first power play last night where he was just launching bombs and hitting and the net each and every throw. time. They're, those are going to go in, or certainly well, yeah, gonna going to create situations. Tampa, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, he is hitting the net. He has looked. Listen, uh, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, I, I am. I the defense is encouraging. Sorokin is encouraging. But as you pointed out, every time we. We plug one hole, something else seems to to open up. So I, I ask you. I was watching Pollock last night launching those bombs, and you know people are going to hate this. Yeah, but PP one has been cold for a bit. Is it? But okay, is it cold in the sense that they're not scoring? Because I do want to make. I just want to say this, Phil. I think a lot of times we equate a goal to success, and sometimes right. it's a yesterday very, it was, was kind of like on a broken play. It's a very results-oriented way of thinking. I'm just saying, to me, when I'm judging a power play, I'm going, okay, are we getting zone time and are we creating chances to score? There are going to be times where, listen, there are going to be times where you score a bunch, which is not sustainable, and there are going to be times where just, damn it, the puck won't go in. Right. But what what I was going to say is I don't necessarily think that he needs to replace Dobson on power play one. No, <laughs> but get Nelson off power play one. Right, give me a look where put Barzal where Nelson is. Put uh, Pollock in that one time spot because Barzal's one timer really isn't effective from there. And I think Pollock is probably crafty enough 
where they'll fade him so hard thinking that he's going to wind up for that slap shot and he'll be able to get a cleaner pass over to Horvat in the bumper for him to one time the puck. So I just think I just that, don't know if Pollock has that skill set. He has a skill set to shoot. I don't know if he has a skill set to fake the shot and then find Horvat. I think he can do it. I mean, he can. He's an NHL player, so he obviously right. can do it. It's just a <laughs> question of like under pressure that hasn't been his forte. Um, okay. I mean, Brock Nelson certainly can too, but he, he's not the greatest passer either. No, his and his vision isn't great. I mean, the other night I kind of I, there was a situation where I think it was against Toronto. Paul Mary wide open yeah, on the power play, and he shot it right into the guy's skates. Was that Toronto? The Toronto game? I think it was. And it wasn't like oh listen, you just didn't see it. And that's just some yeah, players I mean, see the game, and some players don't. Yeah, but if that's Barzal, that's a goal every time. Oh, and it's Dobson. Yeah, and you could see Paul Mary. He's almost like he doesn't want to give away his position, so he's like not shouting it's a for it. But it's kind of like I'm here, man. It's a, it's a, it's literally a tap in goal. That's just yeah. that's not Brock. Brock Nelson's forte has always been, hey, he's a good finisher, and for a big guy, he just has you know Mario Lemieux esque mitts. He has just got amazing hands for a big guy. And with his reach, it becomes very, very difficult to contain, um, which is why he's been able to, you know, find success throughout his career. The funny thing is you look at the stats and anybody would look at the stats and think, yeah, what are you talking about? Brock Nelson's having a great year. 22 goals, 19 assists. But uh, clearly something has been amiss. Um, I think there was a while where we thought maybe it's Kyle Palmieri, maybe it's Engvall. Is there anything you can do at the second line? I don't want to go on for too long about this, but... Is there anything you could do with the second line? I mean, it... it yeah, call up Ruslan and see if Ruslan could play there. I mean, that's that's the reality, right? There's no one in Sliding ball down the third well, line or 12 what? Players. Huh? What? What are you doing you with Engvall then? 12 players. You only have 12 players right now available to you. Fashing is injured. And Fashing, we know, is not a solution there either. Maybe, you know, give Holmstrom a look there and see if flipping Holmstrom and Engvall gives you something... Um, and, and that gets Holmstrom going a little more too. That would be the internal solution right now. But other than that, you're not moving any of Sezikis, Clutterbuck, or Martin there. You're not moving Pajot off the third line center. You're certainly not moving Wallstrom there. He's done nothing to show that he would make sense with, with Page with, uh, Palmieri and Nelson. It would, it would have to be someone coming from off the roster. Yeah. Uh, uh speaking of Simon Holmstrom though, I know there's some people out there that are haters, Guy's got 12 goals this season, which, you know, certainly looks good. But he's also been, you know, outside of the goal versus Florida. You're talking, you're talking about, you know, one goal since January 4th and, and not many points either. You know, you're talking about he has one goal and one assist. One goal and one assist since early January. Yeah, don't look at Andrew's Lee stats then. I think he's got one assist in his last nine or ten games, and that's it. Which is pretty amazing considering he, you just think the puck would just bounce off his foot. By accident. Playing with Barzal. Playing Barzal. By accident, you'd think it would happen. I mean, Anders Lee is another guy who has the compete level, but obviously just doesn't have the speed. Or the hands anymore. Yeah, and listen, okay, so, I mean, do we have to give, you know, you and I have obviously been loose supporters. I mean, is it time to admit that maybe we're wrong? And the people that have been hating on Lou have been right, that this is not. We're never wrong. We are never wrong, Dave. Come on. (laughs) Is there no? But listen, don't give up the high ground. <laughs> is there some credence to the fact that you know there are some there are some haters out there that uh, no one no one ever thought that Anders Lee would age gracefully through a seven year contract, right? No, you give, you give the seven year contract because that's just standard operating procedure in UFA. That's what the big UFAs get. And you know, spoiler alert: when Horvat's thirty four, he's not going to be looking so good either at eight and a half million. But 
The reality is if you want to go and, and get the big free agent and sign the big guy, right, that everyone kicks and screams for, then you have to live with the fact that later on down the road, it's not going to look as good as it did when that player was 27, 28, 29, and 30. And that's where we are with Anders Lee. And there was a torn ACL injury on his way to where he is right now. And he had back-to-back 28 goal seasons in between. So was it a terrible signing? No. Has it been a great signing? Also no. But I would think that they got relatively good value for the large chunk of his time under this current deal. And now he's at a point where he's got to play lower in the lineup and they're not able to because they have no one currently who has taken the opportunity when when given when it was presented to them to to run with Horvath and Barzal. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and then we'll move on, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Do the Islanders make the playoffs? I'll give it a 25% chance. Wow. So you've yeah. really gone down now. I've gone down. I need a, I need to see them be Where were you? Where were you after a, Tampa? 80%? Yeah, something like that. I just can't believe, like, not that I could forgive the Calgary game, but if you came out and you were 3-1 and one with three good regulation wins... Out, right out of the all-star break like all right fine right we got something to build off of here but then following that up with what i saw last night where we only had five shots in the third period against the team that played three and four i mean come on it was just it was pathetic they deserved every bit of that backskate and i know they gave barzal a maintenance day today but i think that the maintenance had what to do with the fact that he probably just didn't think that barzal needed it um, you know, he, he knows good and well that Barzal's compete is is 100% every time. It was probably like, hey, listen, Matt, I'm going to backskate the guys today. You take the day off, right? You, you've got a lower whatever or an upper whatever. You just, you don't need to be part of this. I think that was the coach looking out for him. Does Lou sell? Does Lou sell? Does Lou ever sell? I mean, he has sold, right? I, I think he, he does. I mean, I think if there's a situation where we have a, a player that we could sell and get a good piece for, yeah, I think he would sell. It's just a matter of... You know, people are like, oh, he never does anything on the trade deadline. Okay, first of all, that's not true. Um, it's just a situation of, okay, who are we Who are we getting rid of? Who are we selling? You know, when we didn't trade Chara or, you know, or, or, or Parisi that year, it was just simply because that's out of respect for those players who came here. Yeah, uh, listen, I think, I, think we're, I think we're like a week or two too early on that one. I think we need to, we, you know, we'll cover that as we get closer to trade deadline. They've got four games next week. I think after next week. Um, we'll be able to better give our thoughts to the audience on on what the trade deadline should and might look like. To your point, by the way, Rangers on Saturday, 3 p.m. That's the stadium series. Then Tuesday versus Pittsburgh. Then the Blues. Yeah, the way I look at it, that Pittsburgh game, you don't need to win it in regulation. A regulation win there would be really nice, but you need to win it. We've already lost two to them. you got to win that one. Well, I mean, and then you could, I'm going to just point out the next, so the rest of February to me mm-hmm. determines so much. You got the right, Rangers, you got off. Pittsburgh, you got St. Louis, you got Tampa Bay. Then you've got a couple of days off. Stop there. I want, you know, you want to win in St. Louis. St. Louis, they're playing better lately, but they're a weaker team that you should be knocking off. Tampa, again, a team in the playoff race. Is that in Tampa? That one's in Tampa. No, that one's home. That one's at home? Yes. Yeah, I guess we played Tampa in Tampa twice last year. Okay, another home game against Tampa. 
Then yeah. on the road I mean, in that's Dallas. Gonna be our, that's going to be our first game back at UBS since this last disaster of a night last, uh, last night. Yeah, let's let's get a win for the home fans. Let's let's beat Tampa. Let's on the road in Dallas. Dallas, and then on the road in Detroit to close out okay, February. I could tolerate a loss in Dallas. Um, you got to beat Detroit, though. And you got to beat Detroit in regulation. So six games between now and the end of February, which I have to imagine is going to the team over the next six games is going to determine what Lou does. Okay, They're going it's to nine determine. games until the trade deadline. What, what are the three after that? Let's go forward here. March. Right, so hold on. Let me just let me just assign values to those six games. You need four wins minimum in those six games. And two of those wins need to be against Red Detroit wings. and Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, especially I, again, I, I don't not really as concerned about Pittsburgh, but Detroit. I mean, Pittsburgh for all they they just. But yes, I'm I'm more <laughs> I'm more scared of Pittsburgh than I am of Detroit, though. Are you really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then we follow that up in March, by the way, going into the uh, trade deadline. You've got the Bruins, St. Louis, and San Jose. Okay, so you have to beat the Blues at home. You have to beat San Jose because they suck. And the Bruins, I mean, you'd like to not get swept by the Bruins in back-to-back seasons. By the way, the West Coast trip, by the way, going into March, it is really, really... They actually have a really nice schedule as you head into the middle of March. You have St. Louis at home. You have San Jose... The Ducks and the Kings. And the Kings are terrible right now. All right, so I'm just going to say it. Not necessarily to become buyers, but if you if the team wants to avoid being put into firm seller territory, they need to win six of the next nine games. Without minimum. Minimum six wins. Something right. like six, two, and one. Yeah, it's a team that they're just going to have to go on a little bit of a run. You know, whether it's yeah. four wins in a row, five wins in a row. Show And, and again, just show some compete level to do it. Anyway, uh, not much else to cover here. Obviously, uh, coming off a disappointing loss to the Kraken, another shootout loss. Uh, we move on to the stadium series, which certainly should be fun for, uh, for Allen so. fans out there. I wish I could go. That would be a, a blast. Uh, anything else you want to leave us with? No, that's it for now. We'll see you guys next week, probably sometime after the – St. Louis game or the Pittsburgh game? We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Once again, you are listening to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. That is Phil Farber. You can follow him on X at Phil's Facts. I am David Tuckman. You can follow me at Tuck on Sports. Uh, do send your questions in, uh, and hopefully we'll get to as many as we can next week. Uh, let's go Islanders. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.